You're listening to The Radiant Podcast with Kelsey Chapman. The more difficult the journey, the more beautiful the arrival. It's been like a phrase that I've kind of kept in my heart. There are these difficult things that we have to go through in life, but the outcome is always beautiful, especially if we're believers and we know that God has everything that's working out for us. This week, we've got my girl Zim Flores joining us, and man, you are in for a treat. We are chatting all things transition and blooming during hard seasons, which after 2020, I think that's something we can all get behind. It's a message we can all relate to. No matter where you found yourself this year, I bet you've navigated a transition. And so we're here to chat today about what it's like to bloom boldly in the midst of hard places in life. She has built and sold multiple businesses. She's been on the back end of those sales when she's had to do the identity to work as she navigates what the heck is next. And she really gets transparent about her story where like us, she's had to face hard things and choose to blossom in the midst of them. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Let's get to it. Hey, Sam. Hey, girl. I am so excited to have you on today. I love your story. I was already familiar with your story, and I would love for you to share kind of your journey um, and how you've gotten to where you are today, because I think what we're going to talk about on today's episode is so timely for people this year um, as we bloom and rebuild after transition. So let's just get straight to your story, because I know it's going to be a treat. Yes. So... I am a first-generation American. My family is uh, from Nigeria, and most of them are still there. So I have about 95% of my family back home in Nigeria. And so my um, mom grew up in um, a tiny, tiny mud house with an entrepreneurial mother um, whose whose husband passed away in the Biafran War in in, uh, the 1960s. So my grandmother... Uh, had to raise um, my mom and her siblings um, by herself for many, many years. And and when people ask me to talk about my story, I oftentimes share the story of my grandmother because I think that a lot of our own stories rarely begin with us. They begin with our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. And so my mother was this studious girl who uh, really valued education as a way to kind of break out of what they were experiencing um, back then. And so she grew up, was like the straight A girl, and um, ended up in an arranged marriage with my father. And so she moved to the United States. And um, it turns out that it was very, very difficult, very difficult. She moved to um, Minnesota. So imagine coming from tropical weather of uh, Eastern um, Nigeria to Minnesota in the winter, like extremely cold, no friends, um, nobody that looked like her or had her same experience. And it was very lonely. Um, Add to that the fact that my um, father was... um, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally abusive to my mother. And it, it just added this 
um, like this interesting layer of, um, of, a, of a challenge of a new beginning for my mom, um, having gone from what was familiar to her to now this like this completely unknown um, place. And so one day um, I was about one and a half years old. My brother was um, maybe two and a half or three. Uh, my mom came across my father's uh, hidden gun and, you know, he was on a business trip at the time in Nigeria. And my mom decided that at that time, what she had been experiencing um, was was too much to bear um, and she had had enough. So she packed up everything, packed my brother and I up and we went on our first cross country road trip over to uh, California and we stayed there. My father came back to Minnesota. We were not there. And he ended up leaving uh, the U.S. to go back to Nigeria because after some time he couldn't stomach being in a country where at every turn he was trying to figure out if his wife was with his kids. And so he kind of, you know, drove, it drove him a little bit crazy. So he ended up leaving um, and going back to Nigeria. And so uh, my brother and I, we grew up very curious kids. We were always exploring um, different things. Um, and hanging out with kids who, uh, who didn't look anything like us. And so um, a part of why I've been able to kind of navigate different um, like culture groups and different people from different backgrounds is because I grew up that way. And my mom was a nurse who worked 12 hours a day um, and we had to be very independent when we were kids, right? Single mother who had to work 12 hours a day. We lived right across from our elementary school. So we were getting ourselves uh, ready in the morning on our own after my mom went to work at 7 a.m. Um, she, she would prepare our meals uh, and we would come home after school and hang out with our Motley crew of friends. So my life up until that point was just very independent. I learned how important it was for me to accept the fact that I was different, right? I lived in this town where people just didn't look like me. I had this really interesting name, Zimuza Ugochukwu, that people really couldn't pronounce. Um, and so that was kind of my childhood growing up. And I was always this curious kid, um, moved to North Carolina when I was nine or so, and was then met with a group of people who ridiculed me um, for my name and my background. And these are people who looked exactly like me. And so wow. I was stuck between this place of like being called an African booty scratcher in North Carolina, but in, in Minnesota, it was like, oh man, your name is so interesting. Like, where is it from? And there was this kind of novelty to it. And it, um, it really messed with um, who I thought I was. So my identity was really wrapped up in what people thought of me. So even though I was able to navigate these different um, spaces and groups of people, I really had a hard time sitting and settling with myself as a child of African immigrants um, who had this really interesting and beautiful name that meant so much in my culture, you know. Um, and so I kind of took on this, this mindset of, you know, I, I've lived this like really interesting life so far. My mom has always told me that I could be anything. Um, and that's kind of how I, I continue to move forward. So I went to college. Um, I was 19 years old when I cloned a gene uh, that had similarities to a genetic disorder. So I did, traveled. I know it's like one of those like <laughs> stories that people don't really know much about, but it really, um, it was a special time in my life because it, it, it was this 
curiosity that was met with um, this really interesting um, discipline of, of biology. So I'm a biologist by trade. Obviously, when I graduated college, I didn't do anything with it, but it allowed me to travel the country and talk about my research. I was the youngest um, precinct judge in the state of North Carolina. I was also 19 years old. Um, and so that was also a really interesting experience. So I had a lot of these firsts as this like teenage girl coming out of, uh, out of high school and going into college um, that kind of helped uh, lay the foundation of of who, who I was. And so, you know, I went from high school being really involved to college um, and being really involved there. I worked with my best friend um, on the largest or, or one of the one of the largest uh, youth run organizations uh, for anti-tobacco in the country. So I was like periodically skipping class and telling my professors, hey, I'm going to go talk to these young people about tobacco. Can I take my test early? And a lot of times they were like, you know, absolutely, of course you can. And so it was um, it was a really interesting experience. I oftentimes uh, tell folks that if college was like a towel that was like soaked in water. I wrung out every drop of water uh, <laughs> after my college experience. Um, and so afterwards, um, I had, you know, lived in, I was organizing churches in, in San Francisco. I worked at the National Science Foundation outside of DC. I had all of these really interesting experiences. I started an organization to open up a civil rights museum in Greensboro. And I wanted to take what I had learned about organizing people and meeting them where they are and sharing my story and hearing theirs into an international context. So I applied for um, an international program called the Henry Luce Scholars Program, where they send young people under 30 who are in various fields to any country in Asia that they choose. And I chose India. So I got accepted into that program. And right after I graduated college, I sold everything that I owned and I moved to India. And, wow. you know, this is somebody who had never, I'd never tried Indian food before. I certainly didn't know Hindi at all. And I'm dropped into this country for another new beginning. And I had to figure out how I was going to make my time there fruitful, right? How was I going to continue to cultivate my relationship with God? And, you know, I didn't find a church in India. It was kind of difficult to, so I, yeah. a lot of I was I was streaming my services uh, from the church that I went to in college, and um, you know I ended up uh, learning Hindi and and being able to speak there. I still speak to this day. I can read and write Hindi. I was able to see a different side um, of myself while I was there, and it was there where I had this idea for Travel Noir, my first company, and I you know, being as curious as I was, um, this didn't seem like anything that was like out of the ordinary, right? It was just, oh, okay. Like I see this problem, right? I'm a black um, first-generation American girl. I'm traveling to Malaysia for $8 on a flight. I'm going to all of these different places, but I don't see anybody who looks like me who's having the same kind of experience that I can talk to or somebody who's dealt with having people put their hand in their hair or try and rub yeah. off their skin because they thought it was dirt. And so I started tinkering with that idea of creating a community, something that I'd been 
um, doing for the most part for my entire life, but online. Um, and that was like the beginning of the travel noir story. And so it it's, I, I know my story is like a lengthy one when I talk about like all my, the, the history of my story and my grandparents, but it's, it's important for me to share because it's not, it wasn't this like instantaneous spark where I came up with this idea and it just happened that way. I think a lot of why this idea happened was because of the way that I had grown up and because I was like really curious about the world around me. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like how it started. I actually didn't start Travel Noir until I got back to the States and was living at my parents' house. And my mom was like, are you going to nursing school? And I was like, absolutely not. And so eventually <laughs> I, I told her that I loved her and I was going to move to San Francisco. And that's where, you know, that's where my story, that's where my career actually started was there. Well, man, I could go in so many directions with your <laughs> with the first half of your story alone. So one thing I noticed about your story is that you have pioneered quite a bit. You know, you were the youngest person to clone a gene. You were on, <laughs> did you say the youngest court? Oh, precinct judge for the board youngest of election. precinct judge. Yeah. Whoa. Um, and then <laughs> you know, you started this account that really hadn't, you didn't have any representation of something that looked, you know, like that out there. I know that I'm an ideator, but I often get inspired by something that already is that, that wasn't already. And so, um, you really have been a pioneer. I think a lot of people look at what you've done and think, wow, how fun, but also what people don't see, is often there's loneliness in being a pioneer, would you say? Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think my, um, and this is, is also true when you're thinking about these new beginnings, because a lot of what happens as people do pioneer and as they do innovate is that they're really charting a new beginning. And so I think about, um, when I first moved to India, it was like this, like, high that I had about being in a new country and exploring a new place. And wow, I'm really here and I'm not here with my parents to then letting that reality sink in. You're like, oh, wow, I'm really here without my parents. It's like a new thing. I better get my act together. And so, so yeah, I think pioneering is, is a lot like charting a, a new beginning. You have all of these unknowns and you just have to keep walking one step at a time. Yeah. Wow. So again, like I said at the beginning, this is a timely conversation because so many people are in a new beginning this year. This, this year's certainly thrown my family a curveball um, with yes. some forms of starting over. And I know a lot of our listeners maybe have a job loss or they're finally taking the leap to pursue their dream that, you know, kind of all of this transition fostered. What came after you built Travel Noir? I mean, I think it has something like 3 million followers, right? You built no, Travel Noir. Six, no, 600,000. 600,000. now? Wow. I literally had it up. 606 is where it's at today. Okay. Um, wow. Huge. So <laughs> you built this monstrosity. Obviously, it might have grown since your time there, but there's no, it's a huge feat what you built. What made you decide to leave it and start something new to yeah. choose a new beginning? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, if it were up to me, I'd probably still uh, still have it. Um, but I, um, it's funny because, and I talk about this in the book, but I had felt like, well, actually, I'll, I'll start a little bit before that. So I went to a conference uh, the summer uh, that I actually sold the company. And it was, we were in a, a stadium. It was 30,000 people worshiping God. And it, there was a preacher that came on afterwards. And he talked about how much he was uh, consecrated to basketball. So he had a call in his life to be a minister. And he was just like, yep, yeah, I'll get to the NBA. I'll play basketball for a few years. And then after that, then I will go and minister. But, you know, our plans aren't God's plans. And so he decided that he was actually going to pursue God. And one of the things that he said stuck out to me, and that was when we think about success and sacrifice. So success in the world means, you know, how many cars you have, how many businesses you have, how much income you earn, et cetera. But success in the Bible is sacrifice. People who are really taking God at his word and walking step by step, day by day. And I realized that I didn't want to be known as the travel girl, right? Like up until that point, that's all that I was known for. Like, oh, you want to travel? You want to figure out how to do X, Y, and Z? Go to Zim. She's that person. I wanted to be God's girl. I wanted to be able to do and, and live the way that God wanted me to live. And so I had to have some really hard conversations with myself. Um, at that time, we were going through um, a pretty challenging like launch period. We had um, launched, um, uh, we had periodic launches for some of our group, group experiences that we, um, that we ran. So we ran about 60 group experiences a year. Um, and so wow. we took, you know, I, I can't remember what the number was before I left, but um, we, it was a seven day, six night experience. And we traveled to um, meet people, not see things. So we didn't do any of the uh, sites. We instead met with people um, who lived in those areas and who were living through um, the culture that we wanted to experience. And so, you know, it, we had this challenging launch and um, I had either come to a point where I was like, okay, I can, you know, raise more money. Um, or I can, you know, figure this thing out or I can sell, sell the business. And so I had a conversation with my friend, um, who owns, um, uh, the company that we sold to Blavity. And she asked me, she was like, would you sell, like, would you sell Travel Noir? And I was like, I, I would, this was actually in the lobby of the conference hall. Um, I can't remember if it was before or after, um, that minister's message. Um, but I said I would sell. And, you know, 60, maybe it was about 45 days later, the ink was, um, the ink was dried and the company was fine. So it was a pretty quick, um, it was a pretty quick uh, turnaround, but it, it taught me a lot about identity and how a lot of times we attach who we are to the things that we own or the things mm -hmm. that we own you know, we should be attaching our identity to God um, and who he says we are. And so through that process, uh, that transition process, I stayed at um, Travel Noir and Blavity for 18 months after that, and I was let go 
last year. And so that whole process was extremely painful because yeah. here's this thing that you have um, grown and built from the ground up and it's changing right before your eyes. Like I, I oftentimes think about like being a mother. I'm not a mother now, but if I were a mother and I'm seeing my child change before my eyes, I have this vision of what I want my child to do and be in the world. And they do the complete opposite, you know, and you have to remind yourself that your identity isn't just as their mother, right? It's, it's not as, it's not just as this person you are to be rooted in God. And so that was a really, really, really challenging um, season for me. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network, and now a message from a network supporter. You often look back at your life and you see the tiny lessons you learned along the way. You learned so many lessons time and time again about identity, and here you are having to up level into a new lesson about identity. I don't know about you, but I learned the same lesson over and over, just in bigger with more at stake. (laughs) And so, you know, you had these moments of wrestling through your identity um, as a kid. And here you are again, after you've built something huge, wrestling with it again, did you have any identity crisis? Cause I totally would. Oh yes. A hundred percent. Like (laughs) there was a lot of, cause because I sold earlier than I had planned, um, a part of the challenge for me was like feeling shame. Like, am I really a good entrepreneur because I sold earlier than I, you know, than I had planned to, or because this part of our, you know, business wasn't as successful as I thought it could be. Um, And so doing that within an organization that was also kind of changing and learning and growing was extremely challenging and yes, many identity crises, but without that period of time, um, I, I don't know who I would be today. I was, uh, I had an interview with, um, one of our, uh, we have a pastor that is uh, a pastor of a different church, but here in the Chicago region. And I did a podcast interview with him and he said, um, <laughs> you gave up one business, but God gave you an empire. And I think about Ooh. all of the businesses that have been birthed out of that particular season, you know, out of that, you know, the day that I found out that I was being let go um, from the organization that acquired my business was the day that my husband and I acquired a new business in South Korea. So it was like this really interesting, like, and beautiful God moment where, you know, I had no idea that this was even coming. Actually, you know what? I did have an idea. Um, God had, had, had brought somebody into my life about eight or nine months earlier um, that warned me that this was going to happen. Um, and I began preparing as, as a result of that. So it's, there were so many beautiful um, God moments that, that happened during this transition time. Um, that meant that I really just had to fully trust God because I knew that he was going to have my back um, as long as I continue to walk and be obedient to him. Man. So sometimes we have no idea what's coming, but as you said, you, you kind of had an idea, 
now that you remember someone had mentioned it, did you say nine months before? Did you have any dread about what you knew was coming or did you kind of absorb it and move on? Well, I think, I think there was a lot of like disbelief, right? Because the way that I had found out about it, I had never met this, um, this colleague before, never, and somehow got my phone number and was blowing up my phone. And so I'm like, who is this person? Get on the phone with him. And he starts telling me like everything that, you know, that's, that's going to happen. Um, and I'm sitting, I, I didn't, obviously didn't register it as like, uh, like a God moment or a God thing. I was just like, wow, this is, this is really interesting. Let, let's see where this goes. And I was obviously disappointed that it came from somebody that I didn't know versus, um, somebody that I, you know, probably knew or, or whatever, but I took it and, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start preparing. And that's when we started thinking about, you know, acquiring another business. That's where, you know, I started doubling down on my finances and making sure everything was good there. Um, and so there was a little bit of dread. Um, there was a little bit of like, wow, this could be in two months or it could be in eight months. Like I had no idea when it was mm-hmm. going to happen, but I had enough time to uh, like take it in. So this happened in September of 27, uh, I think maybe 2018. Um, and I was let go in May. Uh, wow. I'm sorry, at the end of April. So I don't know if that was nine months, but if it was nine months. Something like it, yeah. Yeah, that would be crazy. So it's like, wow. Oh my gosh, it is. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I I can relate, not that I've built um, a startup, but I ran a service-based business that just the algorithms changed the ability to do what oh, I was wow. doing. And so yeah. I went from $20,000 months to zero overnight. So, oh, wow. um, I had an inkling and I braced myself with total dread. And just, if you, if you can imagine someone just sticking their hands out as they're falling, that was me for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when it happened, I found that there was a lot of peace, even yeah. amidst pain. Did you find that? I found that there was this kind of like calmness or this like reassurance that everything is going to be okay. God had a lesson for me that I needed to learn. It was like spiritual formation that was happening. And I was like, great, God, if this is the thing that you want me to learn, then I'm here. I mean, I probably wouldn't use the words great, but I totally. feel like <laughs> I feel like during that time, I wanted God to keep me in that moment for as long as I needed to be there. So I wasn't like praying to be sent out of that particular moment or praying for the pain to stop. I just knew that there was a lesson that would come out of this, right? The Bible talks about how God will not bring us pain without something being born. And so when I'm in this like circumstance, I'm like, okay, it's painful, it's hard, it sucks, but I know that there is something that's going to be born of this, and I just have to persevere in order to be able to see it. Ooh, that is good. I mean, yeah, I I would never negate the pain that 
walking through that season was for me personally. And I, I assume for you as well, but I knew in it, I don't want to miss it. And I also don't want to relearn this in 10 years. So can we just like do the thing right now? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Like let's embrace the lesson. <laughs> I'm here to be a student. So what came next? You know, that was just 18 months ago, you mentioned, right? Or were you were there for 18 months? I was there you- for 18 months. So I was let go in April of 2019. Okay. So, I mean, a lot's taken place in the last year. So what came next? So I left, you know, it's funny because I, the day, my last day um, at our acquiring company, I was actually in Israel. Um, A few months earlier, I had applied to be a part of this like program that would take me and and I think maybe 30 or 40 other folks um, to to uh, explore Israel um, from a historical context, um, from a cultural context. And so I was actually in one of the uh, oldest towns in Israel um, up north. And uh, it was my last day. And it was like this sense of calm, right? Like God had orchestrated everything so that on my last day, I was in a land that was his own. And I, I felt so much peace. It was, it was bittersweet, but I knew that I was covered. And so, uh, that was in April of, uh, 2019. Um, my, then boyfriend, now husband, uh, proposed the first week of June. And I was like, I want to get married this year. So we um, got married in November of last year. And um, it was a destination wedding. So we had five (laughs) months to prepare for a destination wedding in France. So we got married in Normandy. Um, And it was, you know, this is like, it was a, it was an old chateau from um from the 18th century and we got married in the old um communications post um that the gestapo actually um communicated through before um us forces and allied forces uh took over that communication post and so it was you know this place was three and a half hours from paris so our um our guests, we had about 70 folks uh, come, they had to find their way to this, this chateau. Um, And, you know, it was the middle of November or the beginning of November, it was rainy, it was cold. um, But I had a saying for that entire wedding weekend. It was um, the more difficult the journey, the more beautiful the arrival. And it's been like a phrase that I've kind of kept in my heart right? Like there's, there are these difficult things that we have to go through in life. Um, but the outcome is always beautiful, especially if we're believers and we know that God has everything that's working out for us. And so a lot of the time I spent after, um, leaving travel noir was preparing for this big new beginning, which was becoming a wife. And then after that, we had a, um, we had a 10 country honeymoon. So we were gone for eight weeks. It was a surprise honeymoon for my husband. And so we actually didn't get back from that until January of this year. And obviously that's when, you know, things started bubbling up with COVID and we spent 
the majority of our um, first year of marriage in quarantine, which is, hey, it's not bad. It was actually great. And so, you know, that's when I started thinking about different ideas. We started a couple businesses together, uh, one of which is called Italicist. And it um, it's a it's a company that helps women find clothes that respect their modest standard. And as somebody who dressed modestly, I've had very specific and unique challenges that have come with dressing modestly. And I see this gap in the market and it's a niche gap, similar to how Travel Noir served the niche market. Um, and so I'm really excited about building something new, but going into it with the understanding that this business is not my identity and I don't want to make the same mistake that I did with Travel Noir and think that I am my business and my business is me. Man. Well, I just love what you're doing over at the Italicist. Like, I think the content is beautiful. I got to scroll and I'm like, oh, I like all of these pieces. And I, I, I think it's a unique challenge. A lot of women find themselves in, yeah. and you have really filled that gap in the market with this. And so yeah. it's very cool. And I, I love that on your Instagram too, regardless of your personal faith, like you, I'm a Christian, but you have women of all walks of life yeah. on your Instagram account, representing all women and all religions. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I think, you know, when, when I think about Jesus, I, Jesus walked with everybody, you know, when a lot of times when you see him at the well, or you see him walking with people, there were folks who didn't believe that he was the son of God. You know, there, there were a lot of people who had a lot of different opinions. Um, and I think that it's important that as in a world where everything is already so divided, I think there is room to continue to walk with people. Ah. Oh. I, you are speaking my language, girl. <laughs> I love that. I really love that, man. So when did the message of daring to bloom? I mean, I, I'm thinking it's your life message <laughs> and I know you say it's, it's a way of life where, when did that really start blossoming for you to share with the world? Yeah, honestly, I think that the message of this book was born out of this me selling travel noir. I went through such a dark period of time, right? Like I, there was this thing that I built that was changing right before my eyes and there was literally nothing that I could do about it. And I held on to um, John chapter 15, like it was nobody's business. And that talks about God being the true vine and how he prunes things that are even bearing fruit so that they may bear fruit more abundantly. And I think of travel noir as the um, fruit and as the thing that's bearing fruit um, and God trimming that and pruning that so that something better can grow in its place. And so a lot of what I had experienced and a lot of what I believe a lot of people are experiencing is God doing the pruning, but the pruning itself isn't bad. It makes way for other things to grow more abundantly. And I think that during that period of time, this message was rooted in my heart. It started rooting itself in my heart. And um, I was approached by uh, Harper Collins 
um, early last year, I was sitting in a, in a, in a coffee shop and I was actually asking God for, um, some kind of confirmation that I was actually on the right path, that I was doing what it was that he, you know, that he wanted me to do. And I then get this email, um, from, from an editor who was like, Hey, I'm from HarperCollins. I would love to talk to you about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And at that time I was, you know, this was still when I was working at our acquiring company, but I had been there for almost 18 months of like grieving and darkness and like sadness. And I had this message um, that I believe God had given me about really daring to bloom and not taking this like pruning circumstance or taking a loss or something that you believe God had taken away from you as something that was an end all be all, but that there is this really beautiful thing that is going to come out of it. There's this character shift that's going to happen. There is um, new businesses on the horizon. There are all of these things that God wants us to have, but he has to prune, you know, he has to prune us before we're able to get that thing. Wow. Well, that, that speaks to me. <laughs> That's a whole <laughs> word. Like I needed that and that has been my year. And so yeah. I feel like this is timely for me. I feel like it's timely for our listeners. So thank you for honoring what was kind of welling up within you and sharing oh, yeah. it with the world. Oh yeah, of course. It is. I, I mean, just such a powerful message and it's really cool to see, you know, how God even aligns release dates to be kind of at the tail end of 2020, a yeah. hell of a year. So many people, man, I'm yeah. really excited to see how this message impacts people. Where can everyone keep up with the work you're doing yes. with the attendance? Personally, how can they pre-order the book? Yes. So um, you can follow me. My name is Zimism, Z-I-M-I-S-M on all social channels. Um, I talk about business and Jesus on Twitter and um, on Instagram. It's my entire life, really, with the things that I'm working on, the things that I love. And the book website is daretobloombook.com. I have a, um, a, a series of events in December called, uh, well, one is called the Dare to Bloom Experience, which is on uh, is in the first week of December. Um, and then I have a digital tour um, for the following weeks of December with some really amazing speakers. Um, and then I'm also teaching a course with the core content of Dare to Bloom. And anybody who purchases or pre-orders the book before the release date on December 8th has access to that course for free. Um, and so I'm really, really, really excited about what God is going to do. I think that, you know, as you mentioned, this has been quite the year for everyone. And I, I think that there's no better time to really take in a message like Dare to Bloom at the end of the year so that we can begin 2021 um, in, a, in a really beautiful place. Ma'am. I am really excited to dive into this message, your course. I think our listeners are going to really, really benefit from it. So it was such a joy to have you on today, Zim. Thank you so much. Likewise.
Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. It's not every day you have to replace a water heater, more like every 10 years. The Home Depot can help with a wide selection of the latest models from Rheem and a helpful online water heater buying guide to help make choosing the right Rheem easy. From gas to electric, tankless, even smart models that can spot a leak before it happens. Water heaters have come a long way. You don't have to. Go to homedepot.com to find the latest Rheem water heaters and helpful answers and advice from our water heater buying guide. Only from the Home Depot. How doers get more done.